to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Tonight, it's showdown time. It is a mana, a mana rematch between Alexia Gordon and Katrina McPherson. Let me first tell you about our guest host, Alexia Gordon. Alexia has been a writer since childhood, and even through her medical school training, she wanted to continue her literary endeavors. So she was she won a Lefty Award, was nominated for an Agatha, and was chosen by one of Suspense Magazine's best debuts of 2016. By way of full disclosure, Alexia has joined the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network as the host of Cozy Corner, a new podcast. On the other side of the ring is Katrina McPherson. Fierce Scott, I can't wait for her to come back. She had the first shot at interviewing Alexia, and now it's tables turned. She claims when she's not writing, she's reading, guarding, cooking, and baking, cycling in Davis, California, running through walnut orchards, and getting to grips with the outlandish and enormous country that she now calls home. I am so proud to welcome back to the studio my guest host for tonight, Alexia Gordon. Hi, Alexia. How are you? Hi, Pam. I'm fine. How are you? I am great. Are you ready to do battle once again with Katrina McPherson? I am ready. Tell me what you know about Katrina and what you're going to talk about. Well, Katrina McPherson will always have a place in my heart because she was the first big-name famous author I ever met at a conference. Uh, I believe it was Left Coast Crime. It was the first conference I'd been to. I didn't have a book out yet. I was terrified. I felt like I didn't belong. suffering from severe imposter syndrome. And in breakfast time one day, Katrina offered me a cup of coffee and led me to a table where Charlene Harris was sitting. Um, and my, wow. my soon-to-be book was A Paranormal Cozy. So I thought, I heard, honestly, I hardly noticed Charlene. I just Sat next to Katrina because she made me feel comfortable. So she she was like the best person on the planet for making me not feel terrified. Well, you know, Katrina is this gorgeous, wonderful, blonde-haired bombshell who wears the coolest sundresses. I always love seeing her. And I can imagine how you were drawn to her. You know that after you were here last time, I mentioned that I had just finished interviewing Charlene Harris. And you were yeah. like, that's okay. I still want to talk to Katrina. And that's how it goes. <laughs> so introduce your guest, and I'm getting out of your way. I, again, this is Alexia Gordon, and I'm here to introduce Katrina McPherson, the award-winning author of so many books, the Danny Gilbert series, uh, the Lexi Campbell series, the latest one being Scott and Soda, and standalone suspense novels, uh, the latest one, which is actually sitting right here on my nightstand, called Go to My Grave. Hello, Katrina. Hi, Alexia. I'm, I'm blushing in an empty room here. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I offered you a cup of coffee. I usually I've got one in each hand, and they're both for me at these breakfasts because they're so early. <laughs> I've got shameless. I'll take two of those cups of coffee to the table and drink both of them. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fine. Yeah, very well. 
Um, brown season has been postponed in California. It's pouring with rain. So oh. we're going to have a, the grass has gone yellow, but now it's poured with rain all day, and now it's going to green up again, and we'll get a little bit more spring before it goes all crunchy and disgusting. So it's oh, been wow. it's cool and it's been lovely. How are you? I'm fine. I'm actually calling you from New Orleans, where I am on a business trip. Uh, so I traded oh, um, cold and rainy Chicago <sighs> for hot and sunny New Orleans for a little while. Oh, my condolences. Have you had any beignets? Not yet. Believe it or not, I've actually been looking all day, but I'm looking forward to the weekend so I can go get some uh, beignets oh, yeah. and something with seafood in it. <laughs> They're so good, aren't they? They're delicious. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. But I have never managed to eat one without getting powdered sugar all over me. Oh, no, I know. You have to wear patterned clothes. You can't wear solid colors uh, <laughs> if you're going to eat them. <laughs> Speaking of patterned clothes, Pam was talking about your, your beautiful sundresses that you wear to um, conferences and in, and in pictures. And Is that your signature clothing item? Yeah, I do. I love I love a dress. I've got a lot. Um, I think they're really practical. I'm wearing one now. I think they're really practical because you put one thing on and you're done. You know, you don't have to think, oh, what goes with this? And am I going to come adrift in the middle? You're finished. Um, but I get, I do get a lot of people saying, oh, where did you get the fabric for that dress? Which is not quite a compliment, is it? Because you think, oh, this looks as if I might have made it myself. So I'm never quite sure how to respond to that. This is funny because there's no way on God's green earth I could sew a dress. Um, I can sew a button on, but that's about it. But, yes, I do I do love a dress. Um, I've got a, a, I, like a, I love pictorial prints. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, they, they, uh, they may be seamstresses who mean it as a compliment. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it like that. I should just say, oh, no, I couldn't do this. I buy them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, maybe it seems like a normal thing to do, but I couldn't do it. Um, I, do love a, I do love a pictorial print. Um, I had this. I had an uh, experience once. I was in Edinburgh shopping with a, a good friend of mine, Nancy, and said, I must have been about 45 at the time, and said, oh, geez, what do you think the upper age limit is for wearing a dress with trains on it? And she looked me right in the eye and said, nine. <laughs> okay, fine. And I didn't buy it. Oh, no, it wasn't. I have got the one with trains. I didn't buy the one with double-decker buses on it. Because she just was withering. It's withering scorn. Thinking, grow up before you're, before it's too late. Ah, eh, who cares? And I, I, think it's, I think it's less true now that women have to stop wearing certain things by certain ages, you know, despite all those lists that say what not to wear after you're oh, 30 yeah. or 40 or 50, and you know, the proper response to that is, you know, when you're 50, wear whatever you want, and 60, wear whatever you want. Um, so I, I think if I you want to wear, wear trains and buses, that's fine. Yeah, I wouldn't wear a mini dress unless I had thick tights. I wouldn't wear a short dress and bare legs now at 53, I've got to say. Um, and I don't think I would wear something with like thin straps and short, you know, like these beautiful, because I live in a college town in California, so there's just these beautiful, um, golden, perfect, practically naked young yes. women drifting around, just looking like 
it's like bathing your eyes just to glance at them. They're so amazing. Um, and you know that you know that um, expression, clean limbed. I always used to wonder what does that mean, clean limbed. What what would it be to not be clean limbed? But now at fifty three, when I'm looking at young women, I know what clean limbed means. I understand <laughs> what not clean limbed is now. Oh, they're so they just make me happy. They're so they're so perfect, and they don't know. I wish I could tell them. I wish I could explain to them. I wish I could let them know how how just utterly perfect they are. All of them, every single last one. <sighs> I'm going to stop no, now because it's kind of bordering on creepy. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually it's, it's remarkable because most people um, enjoy making fun of, of perfect people because most of us aren't perfect and we all feel a little jealous when we see someone with so we always look for some flaw or if we can't find one we imagine one but you you appreciate other people for their successes and attributes. Yes, I do. I appreciate these undergraduates. Maybe there's Davis, California. It's UC Davis that these kids are at. And they work really, really hard. Maybe if I lived in a college town uh, where you've got what's called a party school, I'm sure I could turn a bit more quickly in that kind of circumstance. But they do. they have one day a year where they cut loose, it's called picnic day, and that's their one day um, where yeah. they they just kick their heels up, uh, and apart um, from that, they just they just work really hard. Those <laughs> things. <laughs> and speaking of California, tell me about your rose garden. Oh well, yeah. Oh, I wonder if I'll break up if I go and look at it. I'm going to try and walk. But if okay. the phone starts to crackle, I'll go back because it has been hammering with rain all day. Well, you know, they're they're they were better last week. Um, they're they're sort of. I'm looking at them now. They are beautiful. The Rosa Doris Day. Oh God, rest her soul. It was just perfect. Um, earlier in the week, on the day that she left us, I was completely bereft, but it looked perfect. And I've got Barbara Streisand out there, and Princess Elizabeth, and uh, Rosa Monday. You know that beautiful stripy one. I'm looking at them now. I must have about thirty, maybe Cinco de Mayo mm. and Limoncello and Moonlight. And so I go for ones that not subtle. I don't like, you know, that one perfect bloom. They're all big. And they've all got masses of blooms, and they've got to have fragrance. That's my um, that's my rule for myself. They've got to be fragrant, and I, I love them. I've got lots of them, and May's the absolute tip-top time. Um, and California is a perfect place to grow them. There's no there's no black spot. There's no mildew. There are very few aphids. I used to grow them in Scotland, and it was you know it was I suppose it must have been good for my soul or something, but it was no joy. And I got here where the dry air means that they've got so few pests. It's um, a blast. I love them. I look like a cutter sometimes when I've been pruning them. I look as I look as like a harmer, um, because you you know you can't get in about them. There's this one. There's one. Have you ever? Because I know that you know about roses as well, Alexia. Have you ever come across one called? It's either called Happy Anniversary or Wedding Anniversary. I can't remember. And it must be ironic because it has got more really huge, sturdy thorns 
Um, they always say something from Star Trek, and I think it's called Happy <laughs> Anniversary, which must be ironic. And it, it usually does a lot of damage to me when I'm in about it trying to trying to prove. And it's coming. Once the first flush is over, I'll have to get in there and have a good old go at them. So you do all your gardening yourself? Oh, yes. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, well, and and what my husband, my husband Neil, his Twitter handle is under gardener. Um, uh, that he knows his place. He does he does quite a lot as well. But I don't have anyone to come in and you know help me with it. Um, I had a quote once of, for someone to cut some grass, but it it just made me um, made my jaw drop. So I just decided to do it myself. <laughs> Someone quoted me three thousand dollars to cut our grass. Wow! <laughs> Can you believe it? I know. I mean, it's quite a lot. It's probably about the bit that needed cut was probably about an acre and a half, and all round about the trees and things that you have to do with a weed whacker. Um, it's not. It is not a very practical garden, <laughs> but it's very pretty. It sounds beautiful. It must smell beautiful. Oh yes, it's heaven. Um, at night and also the sweet peas are um, on the go at the moment so every day I'm picking them and bringing them into the house you know because you have to keep picking them and then they'll keep blooming Um, and then I end up feeling mean because I think I'm you know this poor thing's trying to set seeds and I just keep taking the (laughs) blooms off so it puts out another one another one and eventually have to let it stop but that's lovely at the moment and the lavender is um, well the lavender's just about going over actually but all the sages I got a, someone someone who um, is a, a bee enthusiast that I was on a program with recently. Mm-hmm. One of the questions in the Q and A was, "What are the best things to plant for uh, bees in your yard, as you would say in your garden?" And I had I had all of them. Um, what was it? La- lavender and sage and borage and rosemary, and I've got all of them in my herb garden. So I felt very. I felt very accidentally uh, environmental because I, <laughs> I just planted them because they're pretty. Yeah, it's, an, it's, you, a, it's a lovely time of year. Now, you also bake. Do you use any of your flowers in your baking? Oh, no. I am a good, plain cook, to be honest, and baker. Um, it's really not nothing very fancy at all. I, I mean, I sometimes put flowers in salad. Um, I'll put uh, marigolds and nasturtiums and rose petals in salad, but I've never put them in baking. I make really, really plain, like, cake. I've got my cake oh. recipe, and it's just cake. I don't know what you would call it, because I think white cake and pound cake and yellow cake and sheet cake and chiffon cake and angel food cake, I don't really know what any of them are. My <laughs> recipe is... Cake. Katrina, it's Pam. Katrina, it's Pam. I have a question. You grow lavender, Uh and and you know lavender is lovely in in all kind of sweet recipes. Have you ever tried it? Yeah, like shortbread. No, never. I know lavender shortbread. I've eaten it and thought, ooh, fancy. Um, Well, lavender and chocolate shortbread. Oh, how do you? Ooh, I don't. Yeah. You, you make your own chocolate. Oh. Well, I don't. Uh, do no, I'm not a baker. I am a baker. Oh, no, right. I'm not a baker. I'm a I'm a cook for you know for 
meals. I don't know how to bake, but uh-huh. a lot of recipes that I've seen mention lavender in with chocolate. Yes. And I'm I love lavender anyway, so I was wondering had you ever tried that since you're a baker also. No lavender on my pillow. I do that. But you know but you know what? You know that rose petals on the bed thing? I was just thinking about this yes. recently. Not that I did it because, you know, I've been married for hundred and eighty years. But I was thinking <laughs> sorry, my little my little cat's just come into the room, sorry about that. But you That's know that okay. thing where you put where in fancy hotels people right. put rose petals on the bed. What are you supposed to do with them? Once you've gone, oh, look at that, rose petals. That that troubles me. And it, I've got the Rhea chocolates on the pillow, which I think is completely gross. Because um, what do you do? Do you just mash them into the carpet and leave them for housekeeping? That's no, rude. I have an idea you for you. Do lie on them? I, I have what? an idea for you. When you go, go into that beautiful big bathroom that has the tub that's, you know, six feet long and you're pouring in your bath salts, you throw the, the rose petals in there and, and you know, the, the steam and everything will just make you oh, yeah, smell absolutely awesome. delicious. How about that? That's a much more sensible idea yeah. than putting them on a bed. Uh, although, you know, I bet you I would end up with one stuck to me. Somewhere I yeah. could see it, and I'd walk around looking like I had some kind of melanoma. And then eventually, hours later, someone would say, or, you know, because I've got a sundress on. Well, it's and, all, and, it's know, never going to end with dignity. It, it, it won't. It won't end good. Alexia, um, I, you know, I, I wanted to mention to you both that our book review team just reviewed both of your books. And they loved them. They loved all of them. Thank you. So I wanted to let you know that. And I'm going to Thank step you. out again because this is your interview. Bye. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay to step in and say that. That's very nice news. Yes, it is. Thank you. Um, and uh, speaking of books, um, as I mentioned, you write three very different types of books. You write the Danny Gilver series. Am I pronouncing Gilver right? Yes, perfect. Rhymes with silver, yes. Um, Which are historical mysteries set in the 20s and 30s in England. Um, You write the, or the UK. You write the Lexi Campbell series. I've been here long enough that when people see England, I just say, yes, Scotland. Not, no, Scotland. It's the same thing. (laughs) When you're this far away, it's the same thing. Um, And you write about Lexi Campbell, who was who is Scottish but is in contemporary California. And then you write standalone suspense novels like Go to My Grave and Quiet Neighbors. So how do you manage to write three very different types of of books all at the same time? Yeah, I mean, I think they look different from inside our beloved genre. I mean, I think if you, you know, from outside and from a way outside, they're just all mystery novels, so... The difference is not that extreme, but in tone, I think they're quite different. So I have to, I, I only do one at a time when I'm writing the first draft, like chipping the story out and trying to get it born. I do one of one thing. And then if I'm editing, I can, you know, I can trade off one, do, one day I'll do one thing and then one day I'll do another thing. But as long as I can be kind of monolithic about that, 
that first maybe 10, 12, 15 week period of getting that first draft out, um, then it's it's okay. And I've got a okay. friend in, uh, back in the UK, Louise, who says that she can tell when she phones me, she can tell if I'm writing Dandy Gilver because I speak much more properly and grammatically than <laughs> um, complicated syntactic sentences when I'm writing that 30s style. And I don't, obviously, don't normally because you're listening to me now. I speak like, um, but it's 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 okay as long as I can as long as I can do that. I, I don't think I could do, you know, one thing in the morning, one thing in the afternoon. I tried that once; it was a disaster. I know I can't do that. Um, so, and then I just I, once I've finished a draft, I'll leave it to I'll leave it to sit for a while anyway, so I can then do something else exclusively while that draft is steeping, you know, settling. I've got one right now on the other side of the room that's just sitting there um, mm. waiting. Um, Can you give us a hint to which one? Oh Yeah, now I can. I mean, I'm, I'm really furtive and, and strange while I'm writing. I don't talk about them at all, but it's a modern, it's the 2020 standalone suspense um, novel. I can't actually remember that much about it because I just wrote the first draft and finished it maybe a month ago, and it's just been sitting there since oh. then. Um, but it's got a working title, which it no way will be called this when it comes out. And once I'm finished the, what I'm working on right now, which is Dandy Gilver, I'm hoping to be finished that, well, I thought maybe end of May, but I think that's sunk, maybe middle of June. Once I'm finished this Dandy Gilver story, then I'll go back to this modern one and see what we've got. Ooh, scary, yeah, isn't it? Something to look forward to. Well, I hope so. I feel a bit of trepidation about it because you think, well, just, just, I don't know. I still don't know how it is that we do it. And so, when you go back to look at the the evidence of whether you've managed to do it again or not, that's always quite a frightening day. It'll probably be okay, right? I mean, it'll probably be okay, right? <laughs> Please tell so, me you think it'll be okay. Katrina, so... Probably it'll be okay. Katrina, you asked me that again and accepting an award for it. I have a question okay, for exactly. both of you. It's it's interesting to hear you say this, that, you know, you're nervous about when you're writing. You know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. When you... Alexia, when you start a book... Are you concerned about what your readers and the people who love your work are going to think about the book? Do you think, oh my gosh, maybe I have it wrong? It's happening less now. With my second book, honestly, I was nearly paralyzed because of the reception I got to the first book. I was afraid to screw it up with the second one. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. People expect X now. What if I don't do X? I can't do Y. So it got a little easier after the second book, but I was I was actually pretty paralyzed with book two. And Katrina, do you feel the same that. way? You are a well, both of you are well-known authors. You've won awards. Readers love you. You are fan favorites. Are you still nervous when you put a new book out for what the Never mind the editorial reviews, but your reader reviews. Does it still make you nervous when you release a new book? No, which makes me sound like I must have such hubris and such conceit, but I can explain why. 
I remember, I clearly remember what Alexia's just talked about in a sidebar, right in the second book, 2003, I think it was, and thinking, how much, how do I know I'm going to be the same person? How am I, what's going to make this character seem like the same person again? What if I can't do it again? I do remember, Alexia, how nerve-wracking that was. I don't worry about that anymore. But I don't worry about the, I don't worry about the, um, reader reviews once the book comes out because I really trust my editor, my agent and her uh, um, I don't know what you would what you would call her colleagues, I don't know what the official titles are for the young right. women who work at the agency, her colleagues and I really trust I mean I've been thrashed to shreds by the editor by the time the book comes out <laughs> and I really don't think I don't think yeah. any of them would let me put something out there if it wasn't okay so I feel okay and then it looks so pretty and that's not to do with me you know it's got this beautiful jacket and it looks all polished right. and it smells good so I usually feel quite chirpy at that kind of stage and I oh, don't I'm glad that Amazon, I don't read the Amazon reviews as well which is a great help Ah. I mean I read so, Amazon oh. reviews as a reader I read Amazon reviews of books that I'm going to read but I don't read the reviews of my book because they're not for me they're for readers so I just think, well, what's the point of that, of falling down that trapdoor to mental collapse? I'll just ignore that. Just <laughs> That's it's not true. There. So, Alexia, so my question is, from your first book to your current book, how do you think or have you at all changed as a writer? Have I at all changed? Are you better? Mm-hmm. Are you more confident? Are you more self-assured? Are you skeptical? Do you think you have another, you know, award-winning book in you? Um, has your writing gotten better? Well, I hope it's gotten better. I mean, I hope I'm always well, improving. Um, well, but how do you I, feel I, about it? That's what I want to know. I mean, I, I, I think it's gotten better. Um, I, I try to do better with each book. Um, I'll leave the award winning to the people who decide those things. Um, mostly what I've gained more appreciation for as time goes on is how much work there is after the writing's done. I mean, honestly, the writing for me is fun. I mean, I have stories constantly in my head and okay. writing them helps me get them out of my head. What I didn't have any idea about was the business side of this, the marketing right. and publicity and, and going to cut. So right. I, I have gained more of an appreciation for the true work that goes into being an author. You, know, you see, you know, Stephen King or J.K. Rowling and think, oh, such a glamorous, wonderful life. They worked hard to get there. Yes, and yes, I they didn't did. I really appreciate that. And, That's and funnily Katrina, enough you say about... that, Alexia, that... No, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say that, no, no, no. That bit of writing three different series or three different strands, to be honest, is not the writing at all. It's the marketing and promotion and publicity. It's the knowing which thing you're supposed to be holding up and smiling on any given day. Um, <laughs> you know, you'd, I'm not focused to thinking, right, 1930s and historic and historical and things like that. I might be thinking about California instead, or I might be thinking about modern, you know, post-industrial blue-collar towns in Scotland in the present day. So I'm sure I let things go past that I should be jumping on because I'm I'm just not thinking about the right thing. 
So let me ask you both this. Um, Will you, as writers, have created a small business for yourself? Now, Stephen King has a big business, but but (laughs) truthfully, most writers have a small business. And in order to make your small business work, did you ever think that you would have to you know, set up your virtual store, you'd have to have a beautiful display, and you'd have to tell people about it. Alexia? No, and I still struggle, especially with the telling people about it. Um, self-promotion is painful for me. I mean, my um, I had to get a letter of recommendation for something at, at work, and, my, um, and I was, you know, giving the person some... Uh, ideas of, of things about me and my supervisor was laughing at me because I wasn't selling myself well enough. It's like that, that's really hard for me in all aspects of my life. I was, you know, kind of raised to the, you know, work hard but don't tell everybody about it. Um, keep so your that, head down. That yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that doesn't work though if you're an author. If, if you keep your head down, people won't know that you have a book out. So you have to promote yourself. And I, so I, I do struggle with that. So, Katrina, here's my question to you. When someone asks you what you do, do you say, I'm a writer or I'm an author? Oh, I say I'm a writer. Why? An author. Why? An author, to me, is is a relational term. You're an author of a book or you're in your, uh, the author of this agent or you're an author with this publisher. But what I don't think I don't sit down and author things. I just sit down and write. Um, so I'll say I'm one of Lisa's authors, or I'm one of the Little Brown authors, or I'm one of the you know, Macmillan authors. But but when people say, "What do you do?" I say I'm a writer. Do you know it's interesting to me because to me, uh, being the fangirl that I am of both of you, um, I always say author Alexia Gordon, author Katrina McPherson. Because to me, there's weight behind that word. And um, I, I, I think that it's important for people to know that it's an important, strong word, whereas writer could be, listen, I know how to write. I can send an email sometimes. I mean, I can sometimes get out the front door without my, do- without my dress on backwards. But, you know, uh, to me, writer doesn't give weight to how creative and talented both of you are. Alexia, what do what do you say if some do you say you're a writer or you're an author? Um, if I'm talking about oh no, you about say the, you're a doctor. You say you're a you're physician. You're a doctor. <laughs> but let's just set that aside. <laughs> but if I if, if I'm talking about the business side of it, I, I'll describe myself as an author because author is yay. A judgment. And an author is a writer with a book contract. Yes. Um, yes. But if I ask, yes. but if people ask what I do, I say I write, and I didn't used to, but part of why I do that is because of all of the people. Like, I participated in, in NaNoWriMo. Um, this right. year I was actually one of the camp counselors, and so many people just feel like, oh, I can't write. I could never do this. And like, yeah, you, you can write. You may not have a, a publishing deal, so you may not be an author, but you are a writer, so please don't give up on yourself. So I, I kind of deliberately do it that way to, to, to help people who feel like I'll never be able to do this not be discouraged. Well, Alexia, I have to tell you quite honestly, I can write an email. I have to spell check it and look at it three times. I will never be a writer of you and Katrina's caliber. 
Never, never. I don't have a story to tell that is compelling, I don't think. Um, but I appreciate and fangirl for everybody who's creative, and, and especially writers and authors like both of you. So let me ask you this, Katrina. Mm-hmm. When you look on your bookshelf, whose books do you want to read more than once? Oh, I've just swung around on my chair and I'm looking at, in my study here is where all my uh, crime fiction books are and then the rest of the books are elsewhere in the house. Who do I reread? Yes. Um, well, I do reread, Steve, I do reread Stephen King. And I reread PJ Tracy, you know the Monkey Wrench series. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm so. Um, I wish I could be bold enough to get in touch uh, with Tracy and say, um, can I have one of the arcs? Because they were on Facebook just the other day. She posted a picture of the early copies. I'd love to get my mitts on one of them. Um, I I can reread uh, Ellie Griffiths, The Magic Men. Not the archaeologists, I'll read them once and devour them, but the Magic Men series set in Brighton in the 1950s, and Marjorie Allingham, and some Niall Marsh. In fact, how do I ever have time to read anything new? I reread quite a lot, actually. Um, well, can but, I and confess right King is not I'm nothing. Gonna, Well, I'm confessing on air live right now, I have never read, read a Stephen King novel. Never, I'm scared oh. to I'm scared to death of horror and that oh, scary right, stuff. Yeah. I could never even watch like black and white, you know, the Boris Karloff movies or Vincent Price. Right. So I, you know, I although I think he's brilliant and it's my bucket list moment to invite him on the show. Alexia, do you reread any books yourself? Um, I reread. Agatha Christie, and yeah. I read Do you really? I reread Sleep I and Murder. That. I must reread Sleep and Murder every couple of years, actually, yeah. Wow. Do you both, uh, uh, Alexia first, do you read across genre, or do you stay in your genre? Um, I, I do read some science fiction I used to read some fantasy, but I, I, I prefer science fiction um, and mystery. But that's because that's what I've always read. I mean, I, I didn't. Right. I never really read other types of novels as a kid. Um, so right. I, I tend to. I, I mean, I, I write mystery because that's what I love to read. So mostly. But I you read. you wrote a supernatural um, uh, cozy also, right? Um, yes, but and, and I guess I watched. Yeah, I, I love horror, uh, so I should. I mean, I, I was reading Stephen King in the seventh grade, so, um, wow. so and ghost stories. Um, oh, did James you read someone um, I'll reread? Did I read the, um, Salem's Lot? Katrina. Everybody's got a memory oh, of see, Salem's uh, Lot that they read when I they were too small. I can't read any of that. So, Katrina, <laughs> do you ever read across your? You know, in you have you're like cozy crime, crime fiction, mystery, suspense. But do you ever read out of your genre? Do you ever read romance yeah. or fantasy or science I, fiction? I don't read much romance, to be honest. I do read um, some science fiction. I read, um, well, I read Margaret Atwood. I, I read yeah. yeah. when he was, which is not hard science fiction. I'm just looking at my list of what I've been reading 
um, this year, and there is a lot of mystery fiction. That, but the first half of the year, I always read a lot of mysteries because I'm reading to um, moderate panels and uh, right. blurbs on jackets and things like that. Um, oh, I'd, but romance is Flowers in the Attic romance. I read Flowers in no, the Attic. Well, no, that's not really romance. Wow. <laughs> I think it, you know, I think it had to be read when you were a child or you know a teenager. Maybe so. I think yeah. the way to read it is to read it when you identify with the kids in the story. Certainly not when you identify with the adults, and certainly not when you identify with the writer. It was, um, well, it was an experience. Let's let's put it that way. I just so, reread me... the Casual Vacancy. You know the, G, the well, big J.K. Rowling. Novel. Oh my God! Yes, J.K. Rowling, who writes. Yeah, I read that Calvary, again. This of year. course, yeah. yeah. So yeah. let me ask you, um, Alexia, what was the book you read under your covers when you were too young to be reading that book? Um, none, because my parents have never said you're too young to read that book. I mean, I my really? first library card was. An unrest- yeah, my first library card was in elementary school was an unrestricted card. I, my, my, my mom especially is a big reader, and my parents have always supported reading. So it's like, here, sweetie, go help yourself. <laughs> so I was, you know, th- there was never anything that I wasn't allowed to read. Oh my God, how wonderful! And Katrina, what did you read under your covers? Well, Pet Cemetery and Salem's Lot, Stephen King. Um, oh when gosh. I was too young to read them and was traumatized by them, everyone can remember Danny Glick at the upstairs window in Salem's <laughs> um, And I also read these um, bodice rippers, these big thick yes. sagas, you know, yes. um, by Susan Erica Howitt. Young and things like that, right? Yes, I know that. Oh, oh gosh, no, not that one. The sort of historical ones, um, oh, the Victorian oh, era okay. ones, which oh. were quite racy. Um, yes, but they, they were. You, there was no such thing as YA when I was a YA. It just didn't right. exist. You went straight from, uh, you know, Agatha Christie. It was fiction. To right. I mean, you went straight from Enid Blyton to Agatha Christie. There was nothing in between. So by the time I had read all the um, children's books, oh, and I still reread them actually. If I'm feeling really, if I'm ill, I reread Bally for Drina, and this wonderful Josephine Poole and Thompson novel about ponies. Um, and it revert to childhood completely, uh, but I've got to be pretty under the weather. Um, yeah, so I read these bonk busters. <laughs> Do you and know? I think I've if my nev- mum had read them, she would have had something to say about I it. I have. I've never read one of those. I don't read gothic, and I don't read like way back historicals. Of course, I read your books because to me they're not historicals. I lived, you know, in that era, but. But um, yeah, they they sent the publishers send me those books, and I think, oh my God, what am I going to do with this? You know, <laughs> those are my giveaway books. So let oh, me ask you, a, really? You like those, huh? I'm going to send them to you. No, from I'm saying now they're on. huge. They're quite. They're not yes, often. They they're oh, they're often very huge. Edited down yes. to a slim volume. No, they're no, no, enormous. they are huge. You're right, Alexia. Will you please tell everybody about? your current book? Well, my latest release is Fatality in F, which is the fourth novel in the Gethsemane Brown series. Uh, in this one, she finds herself getting her friend Frankie Grinnan out of trouble when Frankie's main uh, competition at in an uh, English flower competition 
Uh, and I remember Katrina saying that, oh, yeah, the English villages really are like that with the, the fates and the flower shows all the time. <laughs> um, wow. it's, it's found dead with one of Frankie's gardening tools in his back. Um, and I'm editing execution in E, which is Gethsemane Brown number five. How fun. Tell everybody where you, they can find you on the web, please. Well, they can find me at alexiagordon.net. They can find me on Facebook under Alexia Gordon, Twitter on the same, my name, Alexia Gordon, and Instagram as Dr. Lex1995. There you go. Miss Katrina McPherson, you sweet thing. Yes, where can we, where can we find you on the webs? Oh, well, at katrinamcpherson.com and on Twitter, I'm at Katrina McP because my name's too long. Uh, and on Facebook, I'm Katrina McPherson. Just very straightforward. Uh, there's no numbers. I managed to get in first. And then I don't use <laughs> Instagram or Pinterest or any of these fancy new ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Well, uh, Alexia, I'm going to see you at Thriller Fest. You are um, going to sit in on the live remote at Thriller Fest. Katrina, will you be at Thriller Fest? No, I won't be at Thriller Fest. My next jaunt is to the California Crime Writers Conference in down in Los Angeles okay. at the start of June, which I'm very well, I want it in, to. I would like to invite you both to come to Florida and to go on book tour since I've been here forever and know all the bookstores. I'd love to have you both here. Alexia, thank you for letting me. I am going to be in Florida. I I am the... I don't want to say guest of honor in case it's not true. Toastmaster? Something. You're the guest guest of honor. Oh, yeah, I am the guest of honor. Well, you know something? Uh, You and I, then, I will have to go and, and find you. In the meantime... Alexia, thank you for letting me hijack your show. You both are so fascinating, and I love talking to you. I'm going to go ahead and shut my big mouth and let you close out the show. I love you both. You're both magnificent women, and thank you for being here. It's all yours, Alexia. And thank you, Pam, for inviting us both back, and uh, thank you, Katrina, for Tell me about your garden and your cooking and your your books. Uh, is is there anything that yes, I didn't ask you that you had mentioned? What did you say? Sorry, I'm laughing. I said, is, there, is, there anything, <laughs> is there anything that I should have brought up that I didn't? No, I don't think so. Just that this is you know this is what we do. We just keep writing, keep putting them out, keep promoting yourself. You can do it. Keep publicizing yourself. God, if there I can go. do it, anybody can do it, right? If I can, <laughs> if I can take a deep breath and do it, you can do it too. Hey, here I'll are two. You, you'll publicize me. Here are two magnificent that, writers, Alexia idea. Gordon and Katrina McPherson, coming head to head, tables turned. I cannot thank you, ladies, enough for being with me tonight. And listeners, thank you so much. And one more thing, thank you, mom and dad. Bye, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.